Today, we are starting a new series called The Ripple Effect. Say ripple. Okay, you've got to go on the ripple effect. Say it. Okay, that's the name of our new series. You see, there are, there are things in our life. There are thoughts and actions in our lives. There are things you think and things that you do that have a ripple effect. They, they, they touch different areas of your lives and they affect you and they affect people around you. They touch you, they influence you, and they influence others. Some ripple effects are very gracious and positive and nice. Other ripple effects are not so nice. And they bring bad things to you and to other people. And so in this series, we are going to be looking at some faith-based principles that have such a ripple effect on our lives. And today, in part one of the series, the message is, the word transforms, okay? The word transforms. That's the first thing we're going to look at in terms of ripple. Because if there is one thing in our lives that will cause a ripple effect in your life and in my life, and in fact in society, it is the word of God, the Holy Bible. Amen? And so that is the first thing you're going to be talking about because that's the first thing that will touch your life and cause a ripple effect in everything you do. I wonder, how did the conversations go at your home this past week after last week's message? Crickets. Crickets. You're too embarrassed to talk about it, all right? But last week, Tanya brought a fantastic message. Listen, if you missed last Sunday's message, you must go to our website and watch it or hear it, okay? What a message. What a wonderful way. What a great message to start off the new year. So go to www.awakenlife, one word, awakenlife.co.za, and you've got to catch that message. Amen? And we heard that Instead of having New Year's resolutions, which everybody seems to have, and then by the end of January, they're gone. (laughs) We've given up on them. Instead of New Year's resolutions, rather choose one thing and do one thing this year. In other words, the message was choose one fruit of the Spirit and work on that. Because the fruit of the Spirit touches every area of your life. Amen? What are the fruits of the Spirit? Let me, let me give them to you quickly, you know, just as a quick, a quick recap. Uh, you find them in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Yeah, they are. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Uh, the patience is also known as long-suffering, but you call it patience. It's, patience sounds better than long-suffering. But if you know what patience is, it's to suffer long. <laughs> the ability to suffer long Patience. Okay. Uh, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of love will enable you to live out the love of the love that God has given you and instructed you to follow Him. The fruit of joy will allow you to experience and acknowledge God's goodness and therefore experience true happiness. The fruit of peace, shalom, will help you find calm in the chaos. It enables us to trust God in all circumstances. The fruit of patience or long suffering 
probably the fruit you will be given the most opportunities <laughs> to, ex to exercise. Amen. The fruit of patience will produce an ability to control your emotions and take charge of how you react to situations, especially those that are unpleasant and unfavorable. <laughs> the fruit of kindness means we treat others with respect and it helps encourage unity. And man, we need it today in the world. Amen. The fruit of goodness encourages a moral life and the obedience of God's word. The way we live, speak, behave, and treat others will be influenced by God's, influenced by God's moral standards rather than our own or the world's. We, we live today in, in, a, in a world which is, which is relative. You know, relative truth. And I'm going to touch on this a little bit later again. But, you know, goodness means to follow God's way of doing things. Not my way or the world's way. The fruit of faithfulness will develop in you a character of trustworthiness, loyalty, consistency, and dependability. The fruit of gentleness helps us to be humble and compassionate. And the fruit of self-control helps us to resist temptation and helps us to avoid conforming to the world. It has a strong influence on our decision making and it goes hand in hand with the other fruits of the spirit. Okay? So there you go. Nine fruit. Which one? Do you need to work on this year? And some of you are saying, all nine, pastor, thank you. And some of you are saying, maybe just one or two. Well, we had fun at home, okay? Because as, as Tanya was preaching last week, I, I, I identified two fruit which I believe I need to work in my life. But by the time we got home and they started talking to me, they gave me another two or three to work on. So I'm sitting with five. Thank you. But you see, these conversations are good. Because you see, we all have blind spots. Can you see my hand? Can you? I can't. <laughs> okay. Because that's my blind spot. I've got to go, like, oh, here it is. Uh, and sometimes you need people to come and tell you about, about this, which you don't know about. But it's there all the time. And it's irritating people around you. But you don't see it because it's in your blind spot. You see other things. Oh, I've got to fix this. I've got to fix that. And people say, but flat hand of yours. Stop it now. Huh? Oh, <laughs> We need feedback, and we need to be courageous enough, especially in our friendship circles and family circles, to speak the truth in love, give feedback, so that we can work on what needs to be worked. The beautiful thing is, you don't do this on your own. It is fruit of the Spirit, and it's by your relationship with the Lord, the Holy Spirit helps you and enables you to develop all this stuff. It's all things we need. And if you've got this stuff in your life, I tell you what, these are the goals and resolutions that you want to achieve this year. They will get you there. Here's a, here's a, quick, a quick example of how they, they help you in everyday life. And again, I'm quoting Tanya. You want to improve your finances? Allow the fruit of self-control to help you in your spending habits. Allow the fruit of faithfulness to help you to faithfully steward your money. <laughs> Did you know that the Holy Spirit cares about you and your finances and he can help you what about if you want to have a better marriage or better relationships okay well allow the fruit of love kindness goodness patience gentleness peace and faithfulness to help you treat others better and foster healthy connections how's that huh it's easy for us to complain about our partners and complain about this and complain about that and everybody else Hey, take a moment and work on the fruit in your life. And you might find that the world becomes a much more pleasant place to live with because you have changed a little bit. What about you want to live a healthier lifestyle? Everybody, oh, I'm going to... Listen, you want to have a healthier lifestyle? Allow the fruit of self-control 
and patience to kick in and help you prioritize and make healthier choices. Hello. You don't need to gain some to some crazy diet program. Just allow self-control and patience to kick in. Now, if you want to go on a diet, fine. But if you do that, you're still going to need self-control and patience. Hello? Uh, okay, that's it. Just a couple of uh, examples, okay? Anyway, the fact is that focusing on one or more fruit of the Spirit, what are you doing? You are creating a situation where there is a ripple effect, you see, because as you concentrate on developing the fruit of the Spirit, whether it's one of them or a whole bunch of them, that thing is going to ripple throughout every area of your life. Yeah? It's going to touch you. You're, you're physically and, and financially and relationally and spiritually, it will ripple through your life. And then towards the end of, the, of her message, Tanya made the point of the importance of Scripture in developing the fruit of the Spirit. Because Scripture is the Word of God. It's the main way in which God speaks to us. The Holy Spirit causes Scripture to come alive to us. And she made reference to a, a, a study which was made. And this study revealed that people who engage with the Bible, reading or listening to the Bible four or more times a week, are significantly less likely to engage in behaviors such as getting drunk, People get, get into the word of God, they are 57% lower odds of getting drunk. Sex outside marriage, 68% lower odds because they are getting into the word. Pornography, 61% lower odds. Gambling, 74% lower odds. And, and, and this is not because now there's some guilt. No, no. It's because by engaging with the word of God, it transformed something inside them, and they began to give up on this stuff. On the other hand, the study also showed that people who read or listen to the Bible at least four days a week have higher odds of participating in the following behaviors. Sharing faith with others. Those who engage in the word of God have a 228% higher odds of doing it. Discipling others, 231% higher odds. Memorizing scripture, 407% higher odds. Simply by engaging with scripture. Doesn't have to be a long reading, just a few minutes every day, four days or more. And what's interesting is this that it showed that calling yourself a Christian and attending church occasionally made little or no change in behavior. But if you consistently engage with the Word of God, and of course, add the church attends everything else, but if you consistently engage four days a week or more, that is when the transformation became evident. And they've got all the data. I actually read the report. Amazing. It's just, it's just moving up. The minute people start engaging with the Bible, four days or more a week. And that is what today's message it focuses on. The transformational power of the Word of God, the Bible. Amen. And as I was thinking and preparing a message for New Year, I considered many things, some of them not very exciting. For example, people say, Happy New Year, amen, and uh, may it be the best year ever, and have a great one. It's, we, we love those wonderful greetings. But you know what? <laughs> we can expect, in this year, we can expect a repeat 
of much of the stuff that happened last year. Let me share with you. This year, people will get born and people will die. <gasps> Pasa, it's going to be a wonderful year. It's going to be a wonderful year. But in the course of this year, just like last year, people are going to get born and we're going to say bye-bye to some people. This year, there will be weddings. There will be anniversary celebrations. And there will be some broken marriages too. This year, you will make some friends. And you will lose some friends. Just like last year. Huh? This year, you will have some good times. And sometimes you can have some very good times. But you're also going to have some bad times and some disappointing times. This year, you are going to work. <laughs> Whether it's in school or at your job, you are going to work. And you are going to rest from your work. Yay. <laughs> All right. The book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible tells us that there is nothing new under the sun. So what do you say? Happy New Year. But there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> All right. Isaiah tells us that God knows the end from the beginning, which means that nothing will surprise him. And if you're in a relationship with God, nothing will surprise you either. Hmm. Genesis tells us that while the earth remains, is the earth still here? Okay. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. In other words, just like last year, this year will be same old, same old. Exciting stuff, eh? Are you being encouraged so far? I told you, sometimes I think things that are not too lacking. But that's what the Bible says. So, in other words, 2024 is going to look a lot like 2023. And so, if most of 2024 will be like 2023, what will make it different? Maybe a better question is, what will make this year significant compared to last year? What will make this year memorable compared to last year? Ha! And so, for you, some, some events are in the pipeline already, and you know that 2024 is going to be a memorable year for you. Maybe, you know, for some of you, you know, a child is going to be born, there's going to be a wedding, you're going to be completing your studies, you're going to be graduating, etc. So, you know, there are some events that you're looking forward to this year, you know they're going to happen, and it's going to be memorable, yay, that's wonderful, and get excited and enjoy that. But what are, what are general principles that all of us, can apply and can do to make this year a memorable event? And the answer is simple, but not necessarily comfortable or easy. It was referred very briefly in last week's message too. And here it is, I'm going to show you, and I'm going to tell you now, what will make 2024 significant. Do you want to know? Have a look, take a photo, write it down, memorize, put it in your, in your mirror. What will make 24 significant? My priorities. If you want more out of this year than out of last year, have a look at your priorities. How's that going? What are you prioritizing? My choices. What are you choosing? What are you doing? My values. Huh? What do you value? My discipline. Nobody likes that word. But if you want this year to be different, and to be significant, more significant than last year, you, you need to become more disciplined in a few areas in your life. And you know that. My humility. 
We live in a world which promotes pride and self-centeredness. It's in the word selfie. Selfie. Huh? And you always, where's, where's, where's my best side? My, my best side. Huh? And, and we are so proud. All right, so this is me doing this. And this is me here. And this is me there. And, you know, we project this image, you know, so much pride. And uh, if this is going to be significant in your life, we have to pay attention to your humility. Those things, priorities, choices, my humility. You see, that, those things, they affect my vision, they affect my investments, both in time and money. They affect my focus. And do you know what is the best tool to help you shape these things in your life? There's something which can help you shape your priorities, your choices, your values, your discipline, your humility. You live in a real world, and you're being bombarded with challenges, voices telling you, this must be your priority. This must be your choice. This must be your value. This is what you must do. And you must be proud of it. You must be. Well, there is something, there is a tool that can change everything and can help shape your priorities and values. You know what it is? Yep, you got it right. It is the Bible, the Word of God. The Bible, the Word of God. Turn with me to Psalm 19. And there's so so many passages in the Bible. We're going to park here today in Psalm 19. And... um, I want to share with you very briefly the transformational power of the Word of God. Because see, some people treat this as just simply another book. You know, the Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the book that those, those, those Christians use. Yeah, it's just like the other book. You know, you get, you get the Bible and, and uh, oh, you know, the, uh, the Muslims have a book and, and, the, and, the, and the, 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 those guys have a book and the Chinese have a book and the Japanese and the Indians have a book. It's just another book. This is not just another book. This is the Bible. Oh, yeah, but it's a book. It's just another book written by men. Of course, somebody had to write the book. And it was written by over 40 authors over a period of 1,500 years in three different continents. And that's what makes this book so interesting because if I give you all a piece of paper and I ask you to write a paragraph today on the same day, same time, same year, same place, same city, and then we put all those papers together, it's going to be a plethora of different ideas. And now we've got 40, over 40 authors, over 1,500 years, writing in different places, different times, different seasons, and all their words and their books link one thought, one train, one truth. They all fit together like hand in glove. You want to tell me that was by chance? And because some guy had nothing to do, so he wrote. Ah, come on. This book is a miracle. Because it is given to us by God. Yes, people wrote this book. But God was dictating it. God was inspiring it. God was whispering the words to them. God was giving them revelation. God was taking them into place and showing them things. They go, wow, let me write this down. And here we've got Old Testament, New Testament. And so this Psalm, Psalm 19, it it talks about the revelation of God, the perfect revelation of God. And the first part of the Psalm, you know, verses 1 to to, to 6, he talks about God's revelation in creation. If you take time to look at God's creation, particularly the heavens, the daytime, nighttime, the sun and and, and the stars and the planets, if you take time to observe that, you, you, you realize there is a creator 
come on, all that stuff working the way it works in its orbits and its beauty and, and everything functions. It didn't just happen. It talks. It reveals. It indicates a creator. And it's beautiful. It is wonderful. And over the centuries, men and women have marveled at God's creation, both in the heavens and on earth. And they've glorified God. Unfortunately, some people have been so taken up by the beauty of heavens, by the beauty of the earth. They've been taken up so much by the beauty of creation that they started worshiping the creation instead of worshiping the creator. They started worshiping the sun and worshiping the moon and worshiping the stars and worshiping Mother Earth. Oh, Mother Earth. Instead of worshiping the Creator. It was amazing. Many years ago, missionaries found that when they were, you know, in Amazon, you know, evangelizing the tribes, they came across a tribe every single morning. They all got up and they went to the patio and they waited for the rising of the sun. And as the sun rose, they all would bow before the sun. But you know what they would say? Oh, they would worship. They would bow down and worship the creator of the sun. They didn't know who it was, but they knew that somebody made us. And they worshiped. And so when the missionaries came, man, they had an open field. As they began to reveal God, reveal Jesus, they just opened up to the gospel because now they understood who they were trying to worship. It's like when Paul, you know, they, you know when they're in Athens and these guys have this, to this unknown God. They knew there's a God they don't know, but it was a mighty God and Paul could come and introduce them <laughs> to that God. And so the heavens declare the glory of God. But then, in verses 7 to 14, David declares, okay, he talks more about God's glory revealed in the word. Not just in creation, but then he talks about God in the word. Let's read quickly. Verses 7 to 14 of Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect. I want you to notice in, this, in the first couple of verses, he talks about the word of God, but he gives them six different names. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. And righteous altogether. More to be desired they are than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter than honey and honeycomb. Come on. Gold is precious. It's still precious today. It was precious back then. It is precious today. Honey is still sweet. But more precious than gold. And sweeter than honey. Is the Bible. Is the word of God. Have you discovered that? Or is it still a boring old book for you? You see where you're going? God wants us to awaken to the fact that his word is alive, is powerful, and is transformational. The devil has done a great job of distracting us from the word of God. And from taking, keeping us too busy to get into the word of God. He says it's, it's precious. More, moreover, by them, your servant is warned. You see, by the word of God, we are warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. <laughs> You keep the word of God, you will be rewarded in this life and in the next. Part of what my, my wife was talking about earlier on, when God answers your unspoken prayers, 
comes out of this, out of a relationship with God, with the word of God, and, and reading about God, about his goodness, and, and, and about God, and, and, and having a connection with God. And there are some things you don't ask God. You, you desire certain things. You want certain things. But you don't necessarily pray, oh, God, give me this. And I'm going to, 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 to sow a seed. And I'm going to. No, no, no. You just, just Lord, I love you. you. You just have that relationship with God. And, 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 and the word speaks to you. And, and all of a sudden, something taps on your shoulder. And God says, here, this is, this is for you. <gasps> but my God, I didn't ask for this. I didn't pray about this. Yeah, I know. But. I knew you wanted it. Isn't that what you do as parents with loving children when you've got a healthy family and you love your kids and, and you know they, they want something? They haven't asked yet because, you know, they want to they buy the mommy and daddy, but you know they want it. And then when you can, if you can, you, you get them that thing, you're going to surprise them with, ah! it's exciting. That comes. It, it's out of this, guys. It's out of this. You see, there's reward. Now, we don't do it for the reward. You do it for the relationship with God because it's precious. But God gives a reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from, cleanse me from, from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great translation. Man, I wish I had more time to get into all this. But it's what's happening over here. The word of God is, is help, is keeping him from sin. It's keeping him righteous. Then he entered these great words, this great prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Just look at that. In verses 7 to 9, he calls the Bible, the word of God, he calls it the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, and the judgments of the Lord. Each one of them giving a little bit of a different meaning, angle to what the word of God is. The law of the Lord is the teaching of the Lord and what he has communicated to guide mankind. Amen? The statutes of the Lord are, are, are right. You know, it, what God has said is the correct thing because he created us. He knows what's best for us. The commandments of the Lord are pure. In other words, what he has ordered is clean. It's beautiful. It is not harmful. It's amazing in other religions when you start studying them and, and looking at some of the commandments those gods give those people. Some of them are pretty nasty and pretty harmful too. But the commandments of the Lord are healthy. The fear of the Lord is a, a, a respect towards God because as you get to know God and as you get to know him in the word and in relationship and, and much of what he's saying is that the, God reveals himself through his word. And so it causes us a reverence towards God. Amen. And of course, the judgments of the Lord, you know, revealed truth of God is right. His judgments, his commandments, his statutes are right. And when God passes judgment, it is righteous and it is just. You, you know why? Because God knows your motives. God knows your thoughts. God sees your heart. You know, we, we, we can fool each other. Hey, 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 sorry, brother. Man, I know I was supposed to call you, man. Oh, but I got so busy, you know. Oh, sorry, man. Sorry. Meantime, I didn't want to talk to you, okay? I was just too busy. I was enjoying, I was doing, enjoying sport too much. It was the best part. I don't want to stop him. Next time. And so I lie. I create an excuse. And I can get away with it, maybe, with you. <laughs> 
Try putting that one on God. You'll say, really? Uh, God say, um, watch the screen. And God will click a little button and he plays back that moment in your life. Except in the screen, you can also see your thoughts and what's going on in your heart. Those unspoken words, it's all there. And you go, Yay! and so God's judgment is righteous, is just, because God knows you better than you know yourself. Oh man, that's the power of the word of God, guys. That's the power of the word of God. And so it does these things. Ushers, I'm going to ask you to start distributing the communion cups, please, as I, as I close this message. And we're going to have communion now. And maybe for those of you who are visiting us and who are new here, um, uh, Communion is open to all who follow Jesus, okay? You don't have to be a member of this church. If you're a follower of Jesus, you love the Lord, you're welcome to be part of communion. So when they come past, you can pick up a little cup. We use little communion sets. It's a cup and a wafer all together. So you're welcome to, to help yourself, okay? Those of you with children, you can, you can serve your children as well. It is safe. It's not wine. It is juice. <laughs> so go ahead, guys. You can, start, you can start serving. So parents with kids, you can serve them as well. Just help them with the opening. And yes, and it's okay for children to have communion, okay? Remember that communion is an extension of the Passover meal from the Old Testament where the whole family took part, the adults and the children, amen? And you can use this to teach your children about this, amen? So let's get back though, because we must understand that there are wonderful benefits to engaging in the word, but there's warnings as well if we don't do this, if we don't connect with the word of God, if we don't allow the word to transform us, there are consequences. So beware of what happens when you don't engage with the Bible. Verse 11 says that if keeping the word of God brings reward in this life and eternity, then not keeping the word causes me to lose the reward. In verse 12, you, you know, if the word cleanses you and if you're not spending time in the word, you will not be cleansed from errors. And your secret weaknesses will not be addressed. In verse 13, you will fall into the sin of presumption, into thinking you know it all and don't need God. You'll fall into the sin of arrogance and pride. And look how much of that is going on in the world today. And you will not be blameless and innocent before God. So these are consequences of not taking time to be with of God. Now, if spending time reading the Bible, allowing God to speak to you while you read, can be so transformational, why aren't believers spending more time in the Word? And I know that not all of you here, not all of you online, not all of you listening, not all of you spend time with the Word of God every day. And I've had conversations with people in this church, people in other churches, people in different settings, and I get always the same excuse and interesting enough, it's the same excuse which that study found when they were, you know, doing the study in the United States. The main excuse for not spending time in the Word of God is, I'm too busy. No time. Life is a rush. I've got family, I've got kids, I've got school, I've got work, I've got overtime, I've got the boss. I've got no time for the Word. I don't hear the same excuse about Netflix. I don't hear the same excuse about TV games. It comes back to what we said before. Priorities, choices, values, etc., etc., etc. 
So guys, we need to change something here. Amen? And realize that the devil is fooling us, is distracting us, because the devil knows you spend time with this book, you're going to be transformed. You're going to be changed for the better. <laughs> Amen? You're going to become more godly. You're going to become more effective. You're going to become more efficient. And so, we have to understand this and, and take a hold of this. Christianity is about a relationship with God. And he wants that relationship with us. And for that relationship to grow and mature, it must include a two-way communication. Me talking to God and God talking to me primarily through the word of God. I cannot read a portion of scripture without God stirring something in my life, in my thinking, in my heart. And so, come on, guys. Let's do it this year. Let's get back into the Word, all of us, on a daily basis, or at least four days a week, minimum, not less than that, so that we can allow the Word of God to transform us. And as we have communion now, let's draw near to Jesus and renew our commitment to spend time with Him on a regular basis, making time for Him daily, or at least, how many? Four days a week. Let us allow the Word of God to ripple through our lives. And let the power of God's word transform us. Can I have a cup as well, please? <laughs> I didn't get one. Thank you very much, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks. So, let us get ready now for the word of God. And as, as we, we get ready to have communion, I think let's, let's make that our, our prayer today. I, I want to read again that last verse of Psalm 19. And let's make this our prayer. I remember as a young man, I came across this verse, and it, it somehow it stirred something in me, and I, I tried, I, you know, I really, um, I, 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 I took note of this verse, and I made it my prayer, and listen, it has helped me. Like I told you, I'm, I'm, I'm past my mid-60s, and I can look back, and I can see the power of this in my life. It has guided me. It has helped me. It, it has helped me. And has kept me out <laughs> of trouble. Now, I'm not perfect. And I don't get it right all the time. But, but just being aware of this. And, and, and knowing this. And having this verse in my heart. And, and keeping in touch with the word of God. Has had a tremendous effect in my life. And it will have a tremendous effect in all of your lives. And here's the verse. Let the words of my mouth. And the meditation of my heart. Be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And I want to get right back to the beginning when he said, take ownership of God's love for you. He is my savior. He is my strength. Is he your strength? Is he your redeemer? Make it your own. It's a simple prayer. A simple surrendering to Jesus. Amen. So let us pray. Father, as we come before you now, Lord, we thank you for this bread, the fruit of the ground, which reminds us of Jesus' body, broken for us at the cross, so that we could be one people, one body in you, Lord. Thank you for your love. And Lord, as we take part of this communion today, I thank you for healing. I thank you for strength. And Lord, we want to be one body with you, Lord. And so today we pray, Lord, help us. 
I pray for everyone here, everyone online, everyone listening. Help us all to have that discipline, that commitment, that priority of engaging with you in your word, through your word, Lord God, frequently, every day, Lord, talking to you and hearing from you, Lord. We thank you for your love for us, demonstrated through this bread, in Jesus' name. Amen. Take and eat. Get your juice ready and let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the fruit of the vine, which reminds us of the blood of Jesus poured forth for all of our sins, Lord. Thank you that through faith in Jesus Christ, when God the Father looks at us, he sees his son. He sees the work of his son in our lives. He sees us redeemed, cleansed. He sees us as sons and daughters. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice. And Lord, at the beginning of this year, we commit, Lord, to honoring you. Not just remembering what you did all those years back, but to every day, Lord, to connect with you, to talk with you, to hear from you through your word, Lord Jesus, that we may grow in this relationship with you. Thank you for the blood, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Take and drink. Thank you, my God. Thank you, my God. Before you close the service, I'd like to ask every student that is here, whether you're in school, whether you're going to be doing, you know, start university a little bit later on, anyone doing any formal course anytime this year, if you are a student, stand up right now. People are busy with different kinds of levels of study, universities, schools, maybe something at work. That is good. That is good. Amen. May the Lord give you grace. May the Lord give you favor. May the Lord give you insight. Okay? Whether it is in school or in tertiary education, there are some things you need God to open our eyes to understand. And so I pray this morning, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every student that's standing here today. Those of you around them, just stretch your hands forth towards them in blessing. I thank you, Father God, for touching and blessing every scholar, every student, whether it's university or any other course, school, Lord God, in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father God, for grace and for favor upon their lives. I pray, Father, for an open mind, for insight, my God. Lord, and where there is difficulty, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will bring revelation, if necessary, revelation knowledge, my God, for them to have insight into those topics and to be able to do what they need to do. In Jesus' name, we pray your blessing, Lord. Let it be a fruitful year, Lord God, of learning, of studying, of achieving, and we pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people shouted, amen. Praise God. Come on, give God the glory. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. You may be seated. Well, I trust you've, you're, you're being challenged this morning. Engage with the Word of God. What if you've got a, a paper copy? I, I still love now and then having my, my paper copy and, 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 and reading it and making notes. I also love having my, my pocket Bible because yeah, I've got different translations, different languages on my phone, and I can take it to me wherever I go. Engage with the Word of God. We've got no excuse not to engage in the Word of God. Amen? If you do have a problem in finding a plan or something, come and talk to us, but there are so many things available, so let's engage with the
word of God. Amen. Father, thank you for the transformational power of your word. And I pray, Father, for my brothers and sisters here, those watching, those listening. Lord, let this be a year of transformation as we engage with your word, my God. And we thank you for that, that, you know, a few months down the line, we'll be able to look back and see transformation in our life in our lives, simply because of connecting with your word, Lord God, added to the church attendance and everything else. Thank you for your goodness, Father. And now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us. Amen and amen. Happy New Year. See you next Sunday. God bless you. Amen.